Welcome to Blockbuster Buds. Blockbuster Buds. Buds. Blockbuster Baddies. Blockbuster Boys. I think our official title is Blockbuster Buffs. That is the official okay, title. Okay, that's the one. Block Don't forget, stust- keep dude. it keep it crispy. What? I'm struggling with that word today. But what? Blockbuster? Blockbuster. Blockbuster. <laughs> Blockbuster. Blockbuster. Seems fake. If you buster enough docks, then you know that's good. Yeah, that's that's what we're looking for here. <laughs> so welcome to uh, Blockbuster Buffs, where we talk about all things Fast and Furious, and by that I mean we are a new movie podcast on the All Days Off Network. Um, so listen to the All Days Off podcast as well. Uh, but we are here to talk about super cool flicks. Try to figure out what they're about, what they're good for. Are they fun? Are they cool? And we generally come at it with a pretty positive vibe. Yeah, we're positive dudes. We really want to find stuff we like rather than just dump on stuff we don't like. So, And our theme this season is family. Family. It's all Fast about family, guys. And furious family. Yeah, we saw the Fast and Furious movies and we thought, man, I wonder what this family is doing when they're not heisting cars and, you know, DVD, VCR combo players. <laughs> Some of them are pretty busy. What's that like, you know? And so this season we are going to be discussing various movies that all star uh, key members of the Fast and Furious family. We have talked about Fast and Furious 1. Or The Fast and the Furious. The Fast. The Fast and the Furious. furious. Uh, We've talked about Pitch Black, which should be coming out. Uh, which should have come out on the Eclipse Day, which is very exciting. Yep. Um, and then we'll be talking about Dungeons & Dragons, starring Letty or Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, the Faculty, starring Jordana Brewster. Then we'll talk about Fast Five, Four Brothers, End of the Road, starring Ludacris, Bullet the Head with Han, um, Heart of Stone with Giselle or Gal Gadot, I believe is how they pronounce her name. Is it? I think so. Man, that just seems wrong, but... It does. It really does. Yeah. Then we got Baywatch with our boy Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Fast 8, The Italian Job, Into the Blue, and Fast X. So that's our lineup for the upcoming season. But today, what are we talking about, Joe? Today, we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) Woo! (laughs) I thought I had an applause in there. Did I not have an applause in there? (laughs) I think it got... That got changed. Let's get. It's our laugh track oh, now. There it our is. Our laugh track is the applause. That's interesting. Okay. So just clean again, Joe. Do it for me one more time. What are we talking about today? <laughs> today we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Woo! <laughs> we'll get we'll get the soundboard situated. Yeah, Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. But uh, first, let's introduce ourselves as your hosts. I'm Joe. I'm Matt. I have been watching movies for a long time, um, almost since birth. Pretty much a lot. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. We watched a lot of movies growing up, and I've been watching movies with Joe for like fifteen years now. Yeah. So we we have a long history together. Joe is our resident expert, though, because Joe has degrees. <laughs> I do have. Tell us about these degrees, Joe. Uh, well, not degrees. I have a degree. Uh, my. Minor, really, it's not even a full degree, is in film, film studies. So, you know, okay. I understand uh, pretty, pretty ins and outs of how film works and uh, 
why movies are the way they are and how we can enjoy them and uh, how to get more out of them critically. Yeah. So Joe's bringing the critic. I'm bringing the the hype, I guess. I just love it, movies. I mean, more than the hype. You you honestly probably watch more movies than I do. That's probably true. I, I like, I have a just a deep love and fascination with movies. I was watching a movie last night and I just looked at it and I just said, Oh my god, I love movies so much. <laughs> That's what we call cinephiles. <laughs> we are cinephiles, just so you know. Yeah, that's right. We're real experts. Uh, so tonight we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons. Subtitle, pop quiz, what is it? Uh, The Thieves. The Honor Among Thieves? Honor Among I'm Thieves. Honor Among Thieves. You there we it. go. It was in there. Locked in. Nice. So, uh, but yeah, Honor Among Thieves, and it's very fitting that we're talking about Dungeons & Dragons tonight. It is. Because tonight is Dungeons & Dragons night. We not only are film nerds, but we're also D&D nerds, so we have a little a bit of expertise. wide range of nerdiness <laughs> going on here. We, we have a lot of the ability to, to critique this from not only a film stand, standpoint, but also from a Dungeons & Dragons aficionado's standpoint. That's right. I think in that regard, I do have more technical knowledge than Joe, but Joe is a better player than I. <laughs> <laughs> Matt knows what he's doing, and I just wing it. And winging it usually works pretty well for me. Yeah, that's kind of what the game's about. Um, so uh, I think, Joe, you ready to summarize the movie? Yeah, let's get it going. In a world where all your fantasy dreams can come true... Chris Pine and Michelle Rodriguez take us on a ragtag team of saving his daughter as well as Neverwinter, the, <laughs> <laughs> the kingdom they live in. Yeah. Starts out with our two main heroines being trapped in, in a castle-like prison. Uh, and there's a dude. He shows up, gets put in their cell. And Michelle Rodriguez plays Holga a barbarian uh, who is quite the badass. And Chris Pine plays a bard. Uh, he is the planner slash... Uh, Got charisma. Yeah, he's, he's the charisma guy. He just... Talks his way in anything. Yep, and talks his way out of a lot of things too. Yeah, he really does. Yep. So they start out, they're stuck in this prison up in this high tower, and it's on the day of their... Uh, it's like, what do you call it, where you get uh, put on parole? I believe it's sentencing hearing. Does yeah, my hair just look awful or it, just pretty bad? It, I mean, take your take your headphones off okay, and then push your hair back. Okay. And then put your, nope, don't, don't pat it, just push it back. Okay. And then put your headphones and slide them on. All right. Excellent. Yeah, my hat was getting uncomfortable under the headphones. It's too much head stuff all in one. That looks great now. Don't so. touch, just don't touch it anymore. Cool. Cool. I'm sure it will get worse. Uh, yeah, yeah, sentencing hearing, I believe, is even what they call it. Perfect. They have the, or maybe arraignment hearing. I don't know what arraignment means. Nope. Nerds, Doesn't matter. Look it up. Yep. Y'all can figure <laughs> it out. So they have their sentencing hearing. Uh, Chris Pine, who plays Ed Edkin, is oh, yeah. giving the backstory on why they're in prison and why they should be let free because... First off, he started as a uh, harper. He made a vow to the harpers to basically uphold the justice and do good things among the realm. But uh, on a harper's salary, you don't get paid a whole lot. 
he had a wife and a daughter. What is a harper? A har- I mean, a harper is like an. Yeah, you probably describe it better than I is. What's a harper? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know it as like a D and D thing, but as far as I can tell, it's like a. It's like a noble, um, like faction of do-gooders who. It's basically like a police force yeah. in uh, Faerun, I believe they're in. Yeah. So, sounds right. This is one point, though, that I do want to stop you because it is like right off the bat. <laughs> you go into this D&D movie thinking, are they going to be like kind of D&D about it? D&D? I don't know. Are they going to play with the, the way the game actually works? Right. Yeah. And like right off the bat, the main character tells 10 minutes of backstory and it's like <laughs> oh my gosh it feels just like a game <laughs> and that it felt so like true to the actual gameplay of dungeons and dragons because that is so much of what happens and not only that but like throughout i mean we'll get we'll get there but for the each of the main characters that become part of the team mm-hmm. they also have their own backstories that they do like an exposition like a five minute like yeah, this is why the way I am, and that's totally how D and D works. Like, just <laughs> you find other people and you become a party and you give each other backstory. So yeah, yeah. great. But it's, it's a fun touch. They weaved it in well because yeah. it's the sentencing hearing. Like, yeah. it actually serves a purpose in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, which is cool. So they have the sentencing hearing. He gives the, his backstory. He was a harper trying to be a do gooder, and he was living with his his wife and, and young baby daughter. Uh, and he was getting a little unsatisfied with the paycheck, and so one day he. Uh, oh, this is brought up later. Do we want to spoil true. that? You're right. You're right. Don't we don't want to spoil it yet? Okay. All right. So they're off doing their thing. He's trying to help people save the world, and his do- uh his wife gets killed by these red wizards. And uh, he comes back. His daughter is hiding in a uh, little part of their house. Uh, he finds his dead wife, and he basically like gives up on his vow to the Harpers, and goes on a quest for revenge. Yeah, he goes on a bender, meets Michelle Rodriguez. He does, that's true. He goes on a bender first. Yeah, and that's how they that's how they meet up. And she's also you know just kind of drinking, and she's like takes pity on him basically. So they team up and start robbing folks. They do. And in the meantime, uh, as they rob folks, they start building a little bit of crew. They've got a wizard, Simon. They've got a... Sorcerer. This is a different class. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sorcerer, Simon. They've got a... Uh... Who else they got in there? Forge is Forges. seemingly another bard. Yeah. I don't really... Does he have any abilities? Um, he's chari- he's got charisma skills as he well. He might be kind of rogue. He's a con man. Yeah, he's, he's he a, could be a rogue. He's sneaky. Yep. Kira is his daughter. Um, she gets older. Yep. And yeah, they take. He makes a point to say, "Oh yeah, we we just took her with her on on stealing times." But they <laughs> did get her a nice little uh, invisibility like necklace, which is kind of cool. Try and keep her safe when they're out mm-hmm. thieving folks, and he, they did always try to just rob from people who deserved it in a way that they wouldn't be hurt too much by what mm-hmm. they're missing. Uh, but then one day along comes a red wizard and she convinces them uh, to go steal a, what did they, what are they stealing for her? He's, it's a horn. It's yeah. a horn that they steal from this place. 
We don't. I, we, I'm sure they say what it is. It's yeah. like the Quisas Hotter Rock or something like that. I think that's <laughs> Dune, but <laughs> it's basically it's, it's just a, it's a MacGuffin. Like yeah. it's a it's a red horn that it's got power. Yeah, it does stuff. It does a yeah. thing. So they go to this little. But temple. Chris Pine goes because he leaves Kira behind, and he goes because there's a resurrection tablet that he's able he would be able to bring her mom back. By this point, she's like 15, so she is like interested in that, but doesn't know her mom at all. So right, and yeah. So from there they go. They rob this place, but as they're there. They start getting attacked by guards and all this, and the Red Wizard puts out a time stop spell that kind of freezes in a bubble all the people around her, and it not only stops the guards, but also stops the rest of the team. So Ed gets stuck, Holga gets stuck, uh, Simon barely escapes, Mm -hmm. but Forge escapes with the Red Wizard, and Ed tosses Forge a key? What does he toss him? Tablet of reawakening. He, oh, yeah, he tosses him the tablet uh, and tells him to take care of his daughter, Kira. So that gets us back to why they're in prison. Yep. And Ed promises to be a better father and that he won't thieve anymore if they get released. But all the all the while, uh, he's really wishing that Jonathan was oh, at... Oh, um, excuse me. It's Jonathan. No. It's Jarnathan. Nuh-uh. J-A-R-N-A, I don't know, T-H-O-N. I literally did not hear Jarnathan. that. Jarnathan. Jarnathan. Yeah, which is another D&D thing. Just the weird, dumb names. But just changing like a normal name just yeah. a little bit because people aren't that creative. That's a great trope. Yep. So Jarnathan is not at the hearing. He's one out of four judges, and he mm-hmm. is running late because of the storm. But then he shows up right at the end of uh, Ed's backstory, and Ed and Holga run and grab Jonathan, toss themselves out a window, and Jonathan is some sort of eagle man creature, so he's able to fly. Yeah, bird and, person. Yeah, bird Eric person. Eric <laughs> if you're really into the game, but <laughs> yeah, whatever. That, like a I bird said, person. <laughs> Matt knows. I wing it. Uh, they fly off. Uh, and as they fall out of the tower, one of the, the judges yells, but we were going to release you. Yeah. And they escape anyway. So, yeah, that's <laughs> our intro scene. From there, they go throughout the kingdom trying to, uh, they go back to Ed's house and kind of looking for Kira. They kind of go from there. Uh, they start heading towards the main citadel area where forge is now lord of neverwinter Neverwinter. (laughs) sorry i didn't mean to steal that i thought you were prompting me (laughs) no (laughs) he's the lord of neverwinter and which is weird because forge is just like a regular dude there's no reason he should be a lord yeah but uh they show up and from there they run into forge forge is has been taking care of kira but the whole time he's been taking care of her, he's been kind of poisoning her with uh, the wrong ideas about her father and basically just telling her lies that about her father's uh, purposes for abandoning her. And turns out that the Red Wizard ha- is also there as Forge's main... Uh... Uh, yeah, what's that word? 
Yeah, like advisor. Yeah, there you go. Mm-hmm. Main advisor. Yeah, and no one knows that she's a red wizard. The red wizards are despised in the land, basically. And so no one knows she's a red wizard, but she always is kind of like cloaked. And so she's just some sorcerer that Forge has as like, you know, a helping hand and a wise a wise helper. So from there, uh, Forge continues to lie to Kira about her dad, and he basically gets Holga and Ed kicked out of the city and tells tells uh, the Red Wizard to take them back to prison, but the Red Wizard instead gives them to her guards to go kill them. Ugh. They get taken to this back alley, and Holga kicks some ass. I mean, t- this scene is so... Is so good. I thought <laughs> it is like the scene. action in this movie. This movie has a lot of heart. It's a lot of fun. Um, but the action in this scene is just—it's telling of the characters. It's very funny, and also it's like the the fight choreography. I think was pretty fun. Yeah. And Ed is like totally useless. Like he mm-hmm. is just trying to get out of his ropes <laughs> the whole time. The whole guy is just fighting like six dudes. He even says, you got this, right? And she's like, yeah, I know you don't got it. <laughs> yeah, he just takes the whole time trying to get out of ropes. And like, I really loved the fact, the thing I want to bring up is the fact that she, the axe. Do you want to talk about the axe? Go for it. All right, so she like is about to get her head chopped off by some, you know, just lunk. And she's asking him about his axe. She's like, oh, was that made by this guy who she knows because she's a barbarian, so she cares a lot about weapons particularly heavy weapons like two-handed axes and you know she asks him you know how do you clean it and he's like well why do you care how you how you clean it and she's like just humor me and then he like swings the axe and she flips up a brick and stops the thing and then basically punches him in the chest with a brick and takes the axe and the axe gets like its own character arc from here on out basically <laughs> with him like he it has you know like just various it's just a big part of the story and I just thought that was fantastic. That that's another like D and D thing. Oh wait, no. Woo. Nope. <laughs> Great. Yeah, that's just another like D. I'm looking Still for a ching sound. Yeah, but it, I know it's there sometimes. But yeah, it's like it's a very D and D thing to like have someone like find a weapon and then it becomes important to them and then. And that it yeah. gets upgraded over time, too. Yeah. Because at one point, it gets... Okay, we'll get there. But yeah. it gets upgraded it, over time. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's got, like, an extendable bla- like <laughs> hilt, too, which is pretty cool. Like, it's not a feature that is normal, but it, it comes into play in, like, at least one battle. But... All right. So, from there, they escape the city. They start trying to come up with a plan to uh, get Kira back. They go to find Simon... He is uh, their sorcerer. He's been kind of out on the roam. They find him in a little theater doing some pretty gag acts with magic where he's kind of just doing lame stuff, but in the meantime, stealing from the crowd behind their backs. They find out, get in a big old fight, and then Simon and Ed and Holga escape. Uh, They ask Simon if he happens to know of anyone who might be capable of turning into a deer perhaps as holga once <laughs> and <laughs> yeah they'll blend in with the other deer in the capital <laughs> yeah. uh but really they're looking for a druid that can transform into whatever sort of creature druids can transform into any sort of animal that they, they want mm-hmm. uh and simon recommends this lady druid who he has a crush on and has previously tried to court uh so they go tracking her down 
they convince her to join the crew because if she does, she'll be uh, basically helping her people and kind of the area where they live where they're kind of getting their wood elves. They're wood elves, but they're getting attacked. Not attacked, but like all their their trees are getting chopped down mm-hmm. uh, by Forge and the Citadel. So they convince her to join the crew. Full party's been assembled. Full party, kind of, <laughs> has been assembled. Uh, and then they try to do one a one. Uh, what is she? She goes in our druid. What's her name? Uh, Doric. Doric. Thank you. Yeah. Doric goes into the. <laughs> Silly me. It sounds like Dork. Yeah. Dork. <laughs> dork. <laughs> She's kind of a dork. Yeah. Uh, she goes into the citadel while the red wizard is. Oh, um, they decide to rob Forge. That's what they decide to do. So they they're trying to get Kira, but they realize they can't get a team together to get Kira because they can't pay anybody. So like, what we'll do is during these high games, we'll get a crew together that's willing to rob Forge, and then at the same time, he'll get his daughter. That way, it's a win-win for everybody. Right, and the games on top of that, Forge uh, has decided to re reintroduce some games that have been outlawed for a long time by the previous king, and the games are sort of uh, they're they're like gladiatorial, they're barbaric, they're intense. Yeah. And so they've been outlawed because of that. Uh, but Forge decides to bring him back uh, to gather everyone to the city. Probably so. just because he's a super cool dude, yeah, right? For yeah, for sure. <laughs> and so they're going to go figure out how to do this heist. Doric flies in to just uh, watch the Red Wizard as she shows two of the main nobles about the vault and kind of the magic behind the vault and why their stuff is going to be safe there while the games are happening. So Doric goes in as a fly. The Red Wizard uh, figures it out as Doric's flying around the the little room outside of the uh, vault. Mm-hmm. And like castle a lightning spell at her, makes her transform, like makes her start running away. And she starts tra- transforming into other animals as she's running through the uh, city. Um, she almost gets caught several times, but makes a narrow escape as a deer, which Holga knew she would. <laughs> this is another one of those moments though that I think is really cool for D and D. Like they, like she is a sorceress, so she has like a pact with like an evil deity, and that's like part of that's like game mechanics. And those people are not generally like friendly or warm, and so it's super funny to watch like Forge explain to these you know these rich. He's like smoozing these like rich people to bring their like you can bring your stuff here when you're here. You can bet with this money, and we'll keep it safe for you in your vault. And my associate, the you know, the sorcerer is gonna tell you why it's safe here, and she's like, "Yeah, it's got the charm of Atlantis or whatever." Yeah, and then she just stops talking, and it's just funny. Like it just <laughs> reminds you, like, "Oh yeah, he's a bard. Like she's a sorcerer. This is why they talk this way." <laughs> and so then, yeah, she chases. She like notices the wild shape, which is Doric, and then chases her out. Sorry, to keep interrupting. I just no, really like that. Good. At, Those little notes. You're not interrupting. Just sweet. Add in, dude. Uh, so from there, Doric escapes, gets back to the crew, kind of gives them the breakdown. Uh, Simon is like, there's absolutely no way we can break into this vault with the uh, charm that's over the door right now. Mm-hmm. And he's like, but. Unless. We could if we had the helm of disjunction. <laughs> uh, and But he's like, there's 
no one knows where it is. It hasn't been seen for thousands of years or hundreds of years, whatever. But then Holga's like, uh, no, I know where it could be. Like my people fought over it a hundred years ago or something. Mm-hmm. And so they go from there <laughs> to a battle site where many of her people have died. And this is where another amazing oh, scene comes so, into play. So D&D. That is so D&D. <laughs> it's in the trailer. If you've watched the trailer. Yeah. I mean, there's there's trailers of it. but <laughs> So Simon has this spell that allows the dead to reawaken and be asked five questions mm-hmm. before going back to being dead. Yeah. And to so... never be awakened again. <laughs> <laughs> they, they start digging the dude up and... They just fumble over questions in like 10 seconds and he dies right away before they get any answers out of him. And it is perfectly like a nat one. Oh, man. On a successful (laughs) getting an answer out of this guy. So from there, they start digging other dudes out and getting like kind of thrown around with different answers. They finally, after waking like five dudes up, yeah, they have to find the dude who actually had it. And so they're finding people who are like, yeah, this guy had it. But then they go talk to that guy, and that guy like died in battle right away, right after that. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, <laughs> he doesn't know anything. And yeah, it's just, it's fun. It's so, a really fun, like, very, oh man, it's so, D- it's like the most D&D section of the movie where you don't roll well enough to get the answer you need. And so you have to try again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's great. And so they they finally awaken the dude who has seen it last, and he had crawled out of battle with the helm and fell down a a little hill. And while he's lying there dying, this figure walks over to him, and it's this angelic knight-looking guy comes over to him, and he uh, tells him that he'll take care of the helm. Uh, And for some reason, the soldier just believes him. So he gives him the helm, and... Then he dies there, uh, and the guy disappears off into the, off into the, the the distance. And how do they figure out who that guy is, Matt? Well, uh, he recognizes him as a Thane, which is the same race as mostly who the Red Wizards are. Um, and they could tell because they get this mark on their forehead. Um, but they think all of them are evil, basically, and so they've especially all especially Ed. Yeah, especially Ed hates the Red Wizards. But they've all heard stories of this guy who's a paladin, which is like a noble. I think Captain America when you think paladin. Like moral, like just fighter dude. Um, and his name is Zink. I love Zink. Yeah. So they find him. They like have, they've all heard stories about this guy. And so they go look for him. And he's not that hard to find. They get to like this. Tell us about Zink. This port, <laughs> this port town where this fish has accidentally swallowed a uh cat child like a, a kajit sort of a mm. cat humanoid uh zank just walks over and calms the big fish and gets the baby to come out of the mouth and everybody loves him he's like the the goody two shoes that Woo. <laughs> he's the goody two shoes that everybody loves but uh the crew goes and starts talking to him he is extremely non he is extremely literal yeah and doesn't understand like sarcasm or just like general irony Super straightforward, and they start telling him why they need the helm. Yeah, he's he's like, if you ramp up Boy Scout to like be annoying, 
but then you also end up just liking him because he's very <laughs> competent and nice. Yep. I mean, he, he is like super lovable. Yeah. He's a great character. He might actually be my favorite character. I would have bet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they convince him to help them uh, to show them where the helm is. He has hidden it in this dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dungeon is super dangerous. And they're like, why did you hide it there? And he's like, it's the last place anyone would look and it'd be really hard to get to anyway for anybody else. So uh, he says he'll help them as long as uh, they use the money they steal from the vault to give back to the people of Neverwinter. Classic uh, nerd. Yeah, classic good guy. <laughs> and Goody two-shoes. He makes Ed re-swear his Harper oath. Oh, wow. Uh, that he will give all the, the gold and jewels back to the people. And Ed's like, fine, okay, whatever. Just takes to the helm, I'll do it. Oh, man. Uh, so... But that oh man, do you? His line is so great though, because he's like, he knows that Ed is lying, but he's like, I know you do not believe your words yet, but I believe them for you. And he's just he's just that kind of guy. <laughs> oh, they go sick. to the Underdark. They go to the Underdark. Smash cut. Smash cut. <laughs> underdark. Zank just ties a rope around a tree and then falls backwards through a hole down into this dungeon. The crew falls, men. They start traversing through these cave cliffs uh they come to a a bridge simon accidentally uh sets off the mechanism that (laughs) zank had explained for like a whole minute how to get across the bridge (laughs) simon steps on one stone and the whole bridge falls apart so they're like sweet again classic D &D. like (laughs) perfect D. like here's the trap you messed up the trap now you're going to have to find a way to get that around the track. <laughs> yeah. uh, but then Holga pulls this staff out of her bag, which she thought was Marlamin's, which uh, flashback to them, uh, her and Ed going back to their homes. Uh, she has been in love with a halfling who's played by Bradley Cooper, uh, Marlamin, <laughs> and he is a great cameo. <laughs> Lovely little character. But um, yeah, little character. <laughs> and uh Holga has the things the thing for little guys, I guess. But uh she likes those halflings, man. She pulls Marlamin's staff out of her bag and she's just like tossing through her stuff, trying to find a rope to be able to throw her axe across. But then Simon's like, Do you know what that staff is? She's like, No, it's just Marlamin's staff. It doesn't do anything. He's like, No, wrong. It's no, a hither dumb. it's a hither thither staff. Hither, 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 And what it does is it creates a portal. It's a portal from, gun. It's a portal gun. It creates a portal from one place to another, and you just shoot it on a wall, and then shoot it again across, like maybe a fiery cavern where a bridge just collapsed. And so, uh, it's literally the from the game Portal. It's the exact yeah. same thing. Yep. So he shoots a portal across the the gap. Uh, they walk. The Annie walks right through and goes across. They're going through. They make it to where the helm is. Uh, Zank does his little spell to get it out of this uh, like rock thing. And they pull it out. Zank hands it to uh, Ed. And Ed's like, sweet, thanks. I'll guard this with my life. Here, Simon, hold this. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. Yep. Uh, but then some assassins show up. More Thanes. More Thanes. And uh, Zank is like the Slytherin of Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) They're all bad guys. (laughs) Uh, Zank's like, 
don't worry, I'll handle this. You guys just watch. And so he goes and fights these like six dudes, and one of them's a real badass, just total uh, crazy assassin. Break shit house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, he's got a green flamey sword that's super scary, and he just yeah, he's good with it. But also, so is Zank. So Zank fights him. He wins, knocks all the bad guys down, and starts to walk off. And they're like, uh, are, you, are we just going to leave him there? And he's like, you cannot, uh, what does he say? You cannot. It's tough kill. to kill what's already dead. Yeah, it's tough to kill what is already dead. So the guys start coming back to life. They're like, oh, sweet. Okay, let's run. So they start running away, going up this little cliffside. They come up to this this point at the top of the cliff, and then they get knocked back by this huge breath of wind, uh, and they fly over the Thans. And then this dragon starts coming out of the side of this cliff. And he starts lighting up flame from his mouth, and he uses some sort of gas and a, a flame igniter in his mouth. And it's we're a... laughing because <laughs> oh sorry, it's a fat dragon. It, it is can't even stand. <laughs> it can't even stand. It just rolls around and slides on its belly, but it pushes itself out of the cliffside and starts chasing them down. It starts chomping up the other things. The guys are running off. Uh, they're just. Going through stuff, trying to not get killed by this fat dragon, which is great because it's Dungeons and Dragons. So obviously a dragon has to show up at some point, but it is also not just a normal dragon. It's a fat dragon. So yeah, they did a good job making it fresh. Yeah. And dragons are, in my experience, really pretty rare in D&D. Like you don't actually see them. You see them, but they're like kind of like big. It's a big moment. Mm-hmm. For sure. So they're running around. The Thanes are getting chomped up. Uh, the crew has to use the portal gun to escape getting chased by this this dragon uh they portal up a couple bridges and uh get to this spot where the dragon jumps up and makes one of the like bridges they're on start to uh like tilt back so everybody except ed and zank get off in time but uh ed starts sliding back right towards the dragon's mouth <laughs> and zank does a hero jump leap through the air with his sword out and lands on the dragon's face and slams his sword through the dragon's head, killing it just before it slides into its mouth, showing his honor. And as they walk away, Zank says, no problem, you would have done the same for me. (laughs) And he says, yeah. But that's the trick. He doesn't kill the dragon. True. Which is great because dragons have like 150 hit points. There's like (laughs) no... There's no sword it's... attack that you can one hit a dragon, even if you stab him right through the brain. Yep. And so, like, even though he got a critical hit, it's not going to kill him, which I just thought was a great touch as well. Like, I know that the physics of the world denote that maybe he would be dead, but no, the rules are the rules. <laughs> <laughs> but it stuns him long enough they can get away. So they start running through another tunnel, uh, but then the dragon shows back up, stuffs his face in the tunnel, and they come to a dead end. So the dragons start trying to get close he's pushing through he's trying to chomp them up uh and then above them the tunnel cave starts breaking in and water starts flowing in 
Ed starts telling everybody to do these things uh, to make. He the, schemes his way out. He schemes his way, makes a quick plan, and Zank just has a smile on his face, and he's like, mm, "The Harper dusting the dust, wiping the dust off his boots, whatever he says, something like that, something, something cool, nerd. yeah, yeah, something nerdy and cool." Uh, so they wind up getting out of there in a super cool fashion. Mm-hmm. Swim out of this lake, and then they come out kind of on this like beachy lakeside and Zank just dips. He's like, I've helped you enough on your quest now that you have to do the rest on your own and he just leaves. Uh, so now Simon has to figure out how to attune to the helm of disjunction. Man, I'm realizing now how much like nerdy D&D language <laughs> is in this movie and how yeah. for people who aren't watching or haven't seen it, it's going to be pretty incomprehensible. Yeah. For real, this is in the be movie confusing. Really strings you along pretty well, though. I think you don't really have to know that much about the indie to, to watch it. That's true. But yeah, but when you're describing about... <laughs> it, it's like, what? What are you talking about? So basically, to attune, you kind of have to like a magical item isn't going to work for you unless you kind of have a connection to it. And some things are pretty hard to make a connection with, which we find out. Simon tries to attune with this helm of disjunction, uh, but he is failing drastically and is getting super nervous and uh the crew is like well you got to figure it out because this is our only option right now and yeah the helm of just junction can take out any magical charm um in the vicinity so, so it should get through the vault right and they start losing hope a little bit uh ed is worried about not being able to get in everyone else is like this isn't going to work uh, they have a bit of a, a breakdown, but then Ed's like, look, guys, even if this plan doesn't work out, I can figure out another plan. I make plans. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm not. We we got this. And so they're like, okay, what's plan B? And then plan B is to use the Hither Thither staff to uh, make themselves a portal uh, in on a piece of art that then gets put in the vault. That's one of the nobles. And they have to make a reverse heist where they put the piece of art with the portal inside one of the carts that's being taken to the city. Yeah, that was such a cool idea. And it's super fun execution too. It is. So, yeah, they uh, they do this little reverse heist. They get the this piece of art in the carriage uh, mm-hmm. They get the portal on it, and then to get the art gets taken to where the rest of all the gold and everything is. Uh, help me out here. Oh what yeah, so the, they when they put the piece of art in with the other, um, the other valuables, it falls down flat on the ground, and so you can't exert force like through it to pull to pull it up. So they can't get in through the portal because it's just flat on the ground. And so they like need to make a gap, but they can't get they can't get through the portal on the other side. And so they get the portal into the vault, but it's it's facing the wrong direction. They can't get in. <laughs> so they go from Plan B to Plan C, which is really just Plan A again. <laughs> <laughs> Why not is... just call it Plan A? Because Plan A has a stink on it. <laughs> <laughs> and if that fails, we're going to Plan D. What's Plan D? It's Plan B, but Plan B also <laughs> has a stink on it. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, Doric stays trying to dig herself a little hole uh, in the ground of the portal to be able to like, turn into a worm or something to slither under uh, to get inside the vault where they 
her taking Simon into this uh, castle to just force him to attune with the helm mm-hmm. uh, under pressure while they're at the outside the vault. So they get through some guards, get get to the vault. They get in a big old fight. Holga's kicking some kicking some butt, kicking some tail. She uh, this is when she puts her axe in a forge uh, when she's when she's in the middle of a fight and she kind of forgets about it for a little while as she's using other weapons and stuff. And then at the end of the fight, she grabs the axe again, and it's all like magmaed out with some sick, <laughs> with some <laughs> like sick flames on it. So that's where the axe like upgrades. Yeah, like another... it becomes this weird drippy black obsidian thing. It's yeah, awesome. It's sick, <laughs> and also very D and D. It's yeah. just like being able to upgrade a weapon in a cool way. So from there, uh, they're fighting through. Simon gets to the vault. He attunes with the helm by basically forcing himself to get out of his own way and uh, stop doubting his abilities as a sorcerer. So he attunes, uh, stops the magic charm around the door. He and Holga break in, but as they step into the vault, they find it completely empty. <laughs> at the same time, Doric has made a big enough hole to turn into a worm and crawl through the other side to find out where the portal has is. And she comes out with the piece of art and all the other uh, charm, uh, jewels and all the gold and everything. She's like, I'm in the vault. And she's talking to uh, Holga and Simon on this little like rock, like a rocky talkie sort of thing. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty great. It's pretty dandy. Yeah, very dandy. So they're talking to each other like, we're, I'm in the vault. No, I'm in the vault. And they're like, no, you're not here with us. What's going on? So Doric uh, kind of runs around trying to figure out where she is. Uh, and as she comes out on this sort of dock side, a uh, few, few tunnels down from the, where all the treasure is, she gets knocked out. At the same time, uh, Ed has been going through the castle trying to find Kira, and he runs into Kira's room. He starts giving this whole, her this whole big old apology, uh, and she is listening quite atten- intently. <laughs> but uh, uh, then she transforms into the Red Wizard, <gasps> and the Red Wizard captures Ed. And then casts his... Evard's Black Tentacles. Yeah. In a 10-foot radius, black tentacles come out from the ground and capture your opponent. You can also uh, roll a dexterity saving throw to get out of the spell uh, if you need to. So that's... <laughs> but Ed fails, Ed fails the dexterity <laughs> roll. They don't tell you that. That's yeah. just my old D&D commentary from a spell. I know. <laughs> and same thing happens to Holga and Simon. They get grabbed by the tentacles. So from there, Holga, Simon, Ed, and Doric all get tossed into the games with everyone else. The murdery games. The murdery games. Uh, the games are a maze, and they have to start fighting their uh, way through this maze with this, like, panther uh, thing. Yeah, like a hallucinatory panther thing. Yeah, they find it, like, a pretty... Yeah, they... They don't have any weapons or magic. I think that's kind of the important part. Right. Yeah. They they have this uh, bracelet gets put on the those who that can do magic that stops mm-hmm. their magic. Don't have any weapons. They're running through this maze trying not to die. Uh, and they get to the point where they think uh, there's other like com- contenders, other mm-hmm. competitors running around the maze trying not to get killed by this panther thing. And some of them have made it to this safe box. Uh, 
Uh, and when Ed and the crew get there, Ed's like, look, we could get in here now and be safe for the moment, but then be put right back into another trial. Uh, so let's just figure out a way to totally defeat the system. Yeah, they're trying to cheat. He's really channeling Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they run. Uh, Doric has an idea. They run back out to uh, where part of the maze has already been opened up, mm-hmm. and the panther sees them, and Doric uh, shows them, what do you call it? Uh, a gelatinous cube. A gelatinous cube. This gelatinous cube is another D&D uh, feature. Yeah. It's a 10 by 10 cube of, like, gelatin, basically, that uh, slowly just dissolves you. So, And it uh, doesn't feel good yeah, if you're in there for too long. And if you fall into it, you probably can't get yourself out, generally speaking. Somebody easily. has to pull you out. Yeah. So, Doric's idea is to jump, make everyone jump into this cube, which is very hard to get out of, mm-hmm. and uh, just in time for these parts of the maze that come up and down through the ground and when it goes down it goes into an underground cavern system Mm -hmm. that gets them back out from there so they jump into the gelatinous cube right as it's getting taken down at the sound of the the clock doric transforms into a snake slithers herself out uh, while the others are still stuck in she transforms back into a human pulls Hulk out they get get the other guys out and they start run through they find where all the treasure is and where it's going, it's getting loaded onto this boat, and they run out to the boat. What happens then? And then uh, wait for Forge, who leaves the Red Wizard in charge of the games, and Forge leaves and brings Kira out, and then he shows up at the boat, and uh, Ed is there with the Stone of Reawakening and all the treasure, and he's like, look, Kira, you've been had, basically. And Michelle Rodriguez is like, he's been lying to you. And she starts to distrust Forge, which is great. And then Forge pulls a knife on Kira, which... Oh, jeez. Yeah, I forgot about makes that. Makes her... You try to distrust <laughs> him even more. Yeah, just a little uh, bit more. <laughs> and he's like, back off. Uh, leave me alone and let me get out of here or else your daughter's going to die. And meanwhile, Holga, who loves potatoes, grabs a potato, which is on the side of the dock, and hurls it at Forge's face. She has done this move a couple of times. <laughs> Knock, knocks Forge off uh, down, and he releases Kira, basically. Kira runs to her dad. Uh, the team gets onto uh, the boat. Simon casts a little watery wave spell to propel them out of the out of the bay. Wall of water. And Yeah, wall of water. <laughs> Nerds. <laughs> and then uh, uh, you'd think, they'd think that they were home free. We've got the UPS man here saying hello. So they think they're home free. They're out in the bay. They've got a boat full of treasure. Uh, Kira's back with the, with the fam. Uh, but then they look back and see this cloud of red tornado-y things coming down from the sky towards the stadium. And Which we learned before was is like a bad... It's like a bad mind control altering spell that turns you into a red wizard. Yep, and basically just, it, it's how uh, all the Thans got turned into red wizards was this spell had been used before on them, uh, which is partly, part of Zank's back backstory is that uh, he had been running away as this spell had been cast over all of his people, 
And mm-hmm. so he uh, he had a little bit of the spell left its mark on him, but he escaped with his life and his sanity while many others turned into a army of the dead. Well, and that's why, like, that's why the heist at the beginning, that's why she needed to get that little, like, conch. What is it called? Like a little horn? Horn, yeah. yeah. That's why she needed to get that horn. And that's why she put Forge in charge of the city to, like, bring as many people in together. Like, this whole plan is coming together, and it's all this, like, Red Wizard spell, like, plan. Is that she wants to bring all these people together, so she's going to let Forge make way with a bunch of loot in order to, like, get as many people in one place, so that way she can take over the city by turning them into these monsters. Exactly. So, she has commenced her plan. She started the spell using the horn. This red smoke fog stuff is coming down from the sky onto the the stadium. And Ed looks back, looks at the crew. It's like, well, shit, and turns the boat around. And he starts coming up with a plan. The crew asks him what he's going to do. He's like, well, I'm going to keep my word to Zank. We're going to give this money to all the people. So what they do is up above the stadium, uh, there's this hot air balloon flying around with Forge's face on it and they uh, make a portal from the inside of the boat which is holding all the treasure to the hot air balloon and the hot air balloon then starts pouring treasure and loot on top of the stadium at first but it starts floating away and drawing the people out of the stadium and through the city streets which Obviously, very frustrating to the Red Wizard because she wants the people to stay. Yeah, uh, smoke doesn't get them. Smoke doesn't get them. So the people the people escape. They start getting out, but the Red Wizard is pissed. And so Ed and the crew get back in the city. They have this big old showdown with her, getting a sweet fight. Uh, uh, yeah, a super sweet fight. So, like, they get everyone out. They, they, they're out in, the, like, a courtyard. She, like, flies down and starts blasting them with meteors. But, like, so many of the things that they do are, like, actual D&D spells used in, like, they even have, like, a short, a short like, couple rounds of combat where they all, like, hit her. And there's, it's not the whole battle, but it's, like, I mean, I think it's, I think it's 18 seconds and they each get a round. And so, like, it's 18 seconds of, like, real-time Dungeons & Dragons battle. Like, there's... She uses, like, uh, Melf's Minute Meteors, maybe, is what it's called, where she, like, calls down all these meteors from space. Mm-hmm. She animates object. She does, like, there's, like, all these different spells, and they're spells that I, like, recognize as a <laughs> player of D&D. And if you don't recognize them, that's fine. But, like, you'll still think they're just kind of, like, D&D stuff, but they really, like, kept themselves to kind of the rules of the game. For sure. Uh, so they get in this big old fight, and... Uh, for a little while, it looks like they're going to lose. Red Wizard's yeah. doing pretty well, holding their own by herself. Uh, <laughs> Just keep going. I can wait. We can wait. He's going he's gonna to lose. There's a truck, guys. We're in my carport. So. <laughs> we may look like we're inside, but we are actually outside. That's where the bugs are coming from. I don't just live in a room full of bugs. <laughs> Yeah, and honestly, I don't even think I'm going to cut this break, but I would like to just acknowledge the fact that a diesel truck is driving by. <laughs> we'll just let it ride. Y'all can just be a part of it. So the big old fight goes down. Uh, 
the Red Wizard starts to cast the Time Stop spell in a yeah. bubble once again, which we had seen at the beginning of the movie. That was first how she uh, got Ed mm-hmm. and the crew stuck. And that time Simon couldn't... Yeah, when previously Simon was unable to counter the, the Time mm-hmm. Stop. And this time he tries, but it also looks like he's failed. Everyone starts to freeze. She walks right over to Ed, giving this little monologue of like, you could have, you almost defeated me, but you're incapable of defeating the Red Wizards. Uh, And then Ed is just like, stops being frozen and looks at her. He's like, sorry, your breath is just too much. Couldn't take it anymore. And he's like, well, Simon figured out how to counter your time stop spell. And then Doric turns into an owlbear. Oh, wait, no. Akira, being invisible, puts one of those magic-blocking wristbands on her. Yes. And then Doric. Uh, Doric turns into an owlbear, which we'd seen her do once earlier. And she's just this massive owlbear. It's a bear that's an owl. Yeah, it's a bear. It looks like an owl. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. And pretty much just Hulk smashes the red wizard uh, all over the place and... Like to death, yeah, to sure, death, yeah. yeah, just straight up <laughs> kills her. <laughs> yeah, Red Wizard's super dead. Yeah, uh, but then we look over and we see Holga clutching her chest with a dagger in it—the Red Wizard's blade. The Red Wizard's blade and incurable poison on that blade. Ed and Kira run over to her. They pull the blade out, uh, but Simon knows that there's no hope of saving Holga, so they watch her as she fades into death. Uh, But then Kira, leaning against Holga's shoulder, well, Kira is leaning against Holga's shoulder. Ed has this flashback of Holga being the real mother to Kira, because as Kira grew up, Holga was the woman who was there. She was Mm -hmm. the one who raised her. She was the one that was her friend and taught her how to how to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and remember Zank when he talked to Zank in the forest. Zank said something about like, you know, she, there are many planes of existence, and your wife has moved on to another plane of existence, and it, it may not be like fitting or polite to bring her back. Is basically what he says. Yeah. Um. So all of that comes together. I just want to. It was a, it was a really good moment of foreshadowing that got you to the point that maybe it like planted the seed. Like maybe. They're not going to want to bring back his mom or yep. her mom. So they use the uh, tablet of reawakening. Thank you, tablet of reawakening. <laughs> <laughs> tablet of reawakening, nerd guy over here. We're uh, trying to get ultra nerd on on the show. Yeah. He's like our current DM, <laughs> but he was busy tonight, so he didn't want to. He didn't want to do it. He missed out. He would have. This would have been a helps. lot longer show, yeah. but he would have really gotten. <laughs> So uh, they use the Tablet of Reawakening on Holga. She comes back to life. She's like, why'd you use it on me? Uh, but they're like, just whatever. We love you. We love you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so the crew's all together. And they're going to go do more adventures together is what yeah. it seems like. They're a, they're yeah. an official D&D party christened yep. with their first campaign. The party has begun. Ah. That's the summary. That is, yeah. We did it. Bow, bow. Nice. Woo. Great job, Joe. Thank you. That was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. <laughs>
Yeah, that movie is tough to summarize in a quick way too because there's right. so many like there's so much lore that yeah. you have to keep up with, and yep. it's just. But no, um. So now we move on to our second segment, um. Dunk or defend. All right, Joe. Wait, hold on. What is this one? Nope. Nope. Woo. All right. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll get the soundboard sorted out. I don't know. Maybe we'll get even a better one. But, Joe, on three. Ready? Yep. One, two, three. Defend. defend. Oh, okay. Nice. Yes. <laughs> so, in this segment, Dunker Defend, Joe and I, uh, we're going to do a little bit of both each, I'm sure. But we decide if we're going to, you know, mostly, is this a kind of a dumb movie that we're going to dunk on? Or a fun movie that we're going to defend, and, a, and maybe even a kind of a good movie. Yeah, so this is and, where we give and, our like judgment of, is it good? Does it do what it's trying to do? So, right. Um, you summarized, so I'm going to start uh, with my defense Go of Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, the first, it really just the fact that they did D&D so well without... Like it when I watched it, I thought, like, oh, man, me as a fan of Dungeons & Dragons can like really enjoy this. And, like, if my dad were to come see this movie, he would still enjoy it and not care about any of that. Like, it's all subtle enough and, like, weird enough that you maybe wouldn't... You don't have to know a bunch of backstory, but it's also, like, it's there, it's present. They, like, restrict themselves to the rules of the game. They, And not only just the rules, because no one plays by the rules. I think that's the <laughs> biggest, like, defend moment, is no one really plays by the rules of D&D. They play by... You know, just just like Monopoly, they play by house rules. They'll they'll still you know you still have to pass go and collect two hundred dollars, but you 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 tinker the game to fit your game. And so the fact that so many things were kind of like fudged or like reskinned, you know, that's like a term in you know various games. But basically, they're like where you take a uh like a practical function, like uh, Holga's axe gets an upgrade. So you take a practical function in the rules. It's like, all right, you get a plus one axe, which is just the regular axe. But then they like they change the look of the axe in order to make it like upgraded, like Joe was talking about. And so like just those little D and D things were really fun. Um, the t- like all of the acting was fun. I think Michelle Rodriguez does a great job. Um, I don't think she shines as much as I'd want her to shine to be in this Fast and Furious movie or like the, you know, be part of the Fast and Furious family. That's why we're watching it. We're watching it for her. But I think she does a really good job. I think she brings a good performance as this barbarian, like as this brooding type, as like she comes off as like the really strong. And so I love that. Um, uh, uh, the only dunk that I will do on this is that if you're in a stadium and a bunch of red mist comes from the sky, you're going to leave the stadium anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I would anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, that's the real plot hole that I think was, like, kind of problematic for me. But it, it, when I first watched it, I didn't even think about it. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I did on the second watch. But, I, I mean, when I first watched it in the theater, it was – you're wrapped up in the characters enough that you kind of forgive that. Oh, you know what? I have two dunks. A bard is a half caster. <laughs> I was like, so, if he doesn't bring it up, I'm, I'm gonna have to. Chris Pine's character, Ed- Edgen, is is a bard, so like he should be able to like. So he does it a little bit, where he you know casts bardic inspiration. Clearly, like he's able to. So when he when he gives like rousing speeches and everyone gets like more motivated and capable, 
that's like an, a special magical ability that a bard has. Um, but he's also able to cast spells. And they, like, he can't do any spells. And it's just kind of odd. Like, I've never really seen a bard character that can't do any spells. Um, and so that kind of bothered me. Especially since a bard is, like, in my opinion, game mechanic-wise, like, a pretty powerful character because uh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but basically, they've relegated him to being able to talk good, which is, like, a skill, but it's not, like, yeah. a powerful they just, skill. They made him ultra-charismatic without yeah. any of the magical abilities. Yeah. I, yeah, I was going to bring that up, too, but I'm glad you did. That's my dunker defense. Okay. Uh, my defense is pretty similar, along the same lines. Uh, they did some great stuff with D&D mechanics. They made it very uh, just fun for the fans. They did a lot of fan service. Mm-hmm. The Like I said, the cemetery scene was just hilarious. <laughs> I loved it. It was totally on par for a like multiple, multiple failed attempts to try and oh, uh, get an answer out of someone. Uh, but... I also really thought that Michelle Rodriguez crushed the barbarian role. Okay. Like as as someone who's played a barbarian in D&D, I am very pretty familiar with them. Feel pretty confident like understanding how they're going to act and like how I would act and she is just like great. She some of her bluntness and like taking she also takes things literally sometimes mm-hmm. is just great. Uh, she yeah. is, she's strong and tough, uh, and like her <laughs> lack of humor is humorous at times. Like it, it, she definitely plays off of Edwell, but she's also honorable. Like, yeah, she's a, she is a thief, but she's, she's honorable and she helps, uh, keep Ed on track at times. Uh, and she also has a lot of love for Kira. So she's a, she is a good character. I like, I like mm-hmm. Pogo a lot. Uh, loved Ed. Um, I think, uh, what was just on, like from a film perspective, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Very entertaining. Very easy to, uh, watch and keep up with. Uh, Zank was totally my favorite character. (laughs) Easily Lee's favorite. Really? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I freaking love Zank, dude. How did you know that he was going to be my oh, favorite? Oh, actually, no. That... Forge is for sure my least well, favorite. Yeah, oh, no. But... Maybe the wizard. I think she was just kind of bland. But no, Zank is not my least favorite. But, like, I don't like the Boy Scout character <laughs> because they they have such a sure moral compass that it's like, of course you're doing that. But Like, of course that's what you're going to do. Of course you're going to be the best. Of course you're going to fight the bad guy. Of course you're not going to, like, be tempted to steal and I like to me that's they did a really good job with it. And I actually really enjoyed saying. And when I say least favorite, I mean like I loved all these characters, but like it wasn't he wasn't as compelling to me. But because you are you, like you are the Captain America guy, like you are <laughs> like into the paladin, like you know totally moral mindset, and like I think I think they did a great job with it. I, here's what I partly why I thought he was a great character though is mm-hmm. because he was he was almost too perfect to the point of where there was mystery around whether it was false or not. Yeah. And so it wasn't just like I am perfect because I'm perfect. 
he was it's like is there some underlying maliciousness to this character so i thought Mm -hmm. that was uh what kept him fresh like it kept him entertaining because you're like what's his motivation here like yeah Yeah. he's acting as a really good person but is he actually a really good person and they kind of they get good they did a good job keeping that mystery alive and they never quite answer it like you don't know you still he could come back later on if they make another movie as a uh malicious character that's true and one the other thing about him that i really liked though is that they made like they made his do gooderism become like so it was so exaggerated that i really liked it yeah like again it's he's not my favorite character but i <laughs> loved watching him because it was so exaggerated that he was just like every he didn't have a moment of slip it was just like full devotion to like sarcasm cuts those who wield it the deepest you know like (laughs) he just always had one of those things to say and like always was just like right on for this character that's so over the top and ridiculous but also like was you love him because he's just really actually very nice. <laughs> and he's he's not he's also not just overly lawful, so he's not like, oh, well, you guys can't have it because you guys are thieves. He's like able to parse morality. And so I think those two features for me made him compelling. Is he was not like, oh, well, I was tasked to protect this, so I'm just going to carry that to the grave and know no matter what, you can't have it. But he also was so ridiculous that he was kind of funny. And so like... I don't know. There's some depth there. You're right. You've convinced me. Zank is dope. Yes. <laughs> My favorite character is Simon. Obviously, gets Simon. in his well. Gets in his own way. He's always. He's just a real putz. He's like a real he Michael a real Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. I. I guess I'm. That's funny. I think I'm like the opposite of you. Simon would pro- like. I loved him, but also yeah. it was probably my least favorite. Huh? Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> this is why the it's the yin and the yang that yep. makes this podcast work, which <laughs> it does work, which is why we have so many listeners. Yeah, yeah. Um, boatloads of followers, dude. Tons of it. Tons of it. <laughs> so yeah, I would keep, say keep your chin up over I here. recommend this movie. Uh, I think you should watch it. In in defense, like I think it's good, and I recommend you watch it. I agree. I think uh, it's easy to watch no matter who you are. Yeah, don't expect it to be something it's not. Don't expect it to be too serious, but. Oh, that was the other thing I was going to defend was as a, uh, not as a spoof, but as a play off of something that a lot of people are very like involved with. Mm-hmm. I think it did a great job of towing the line between taking itself seriously and not taking itself too seriously. Like it had great comedic moments, but also great serious moments. And it never felt like one was stepping on the toes of the other. I agree. It wasn't LOTR. It wasn't, um, but it also wasn't like a spoof. Yeah. 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 Right over the plate. So dope. We've got it. Dunker defend. We defend it. Both of us do. That gives you a firm, recommend (laughs) but uh this season is about fast and the furious this whole season is about the fast and furious family and that's why we watched a movie with michelle rodriguez and that's why we've framed this next segment as uh what's your quarter mile time and so we're going to rate the film 
um, not just on how we liked it, but like kind of a mixture of how much we liked it, how good it was, did it, you know, did it do what it was supposed to do. But like, what is its quarter mile time? Ten seconds is the fastest quarter mile time we can get because our only text is fast and furious. Um, and then twenty seconds is ten more than that, which is slower. So a twenty is the worst, <laughs> or I guess you could go further than twenty, but yeah. a twenty is kind of our like our baseline bad a minute time to like uh, <laughs> yeah ten second ten second quarter mile. That's our best time. Uh, so Joe, what what do you give this movie? Quarter mile time for Dungeons and Dragons would be just to to remind you. I think we gave like fast and furious like a 12 or 13 yep and then pitch black like a 14 or 15 yeah i think like yeah definitely yeah. 15 yeah oh i think we both hit 15 i think yeah. one of us gave it a 12 and i gave it a 13 and you gave it a 12 for fast and furious yep yep uh for this i'm gonna give it a 13 yeah I, I'm with you. I'm gonna give it a 13 as well. Like it is a solid like B minus C plus movie. Yeah. Like it's really good. It's not like amazing. It's just not gonna change your life, but it's really fun and it's great. Like it's not that 10 seconder, which I mean I I'm sure we'll get with Fast X, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 good. I I loved it. Uh, do you have any? I mean, I think we've explained, but do you have any more explanation for your 13? Uh, I mean, I guess it would just be that it hits it hits all the right things that you want in a movie. Mm-hmm. It's got the action, the adventure, the romance, the comedy, the sentimentality. It was just all around fun, and sure, it had definitely had uh, plot holes and some uh, like not best filmmaking quality, but yeah, I actually love the filmmaking. It was. It was not dark. It was not adventurous. It didn't do anything new. But what it did do is it, it stayed clear of the like fantasy trope of a really dark kind of affect to the film. And it, it was just it was bright and it was fun and and there are like CGI was great. Yeah, it was. Um the spell CGI was great and the uh, and the they used a lot of practical effects like Jonathan, the the Eric Kokra, the bird person, uh, he was clearly like a puppet. Like he was clearly oh. a dude in a suit for a lot of that. Same with like the two cat people at oh, the yeah. dock. Yeah, that, and like, I was like watching the freaking Furbies or something. Like just yeah, they look very... un- they look uncanny and weird, but they use practical <laughs> effects, which is so laudable. Yeah, because you watch the dumb dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. <laughs> And the scary ones are the are the I mean the dumb ones are the you know the big guys but the like the scary <laughs> ones are the the raptors right and those look pretty cool those look pretty good but they there was others that they didn't spend a lot of time on but it's still like so much more compelling like you feel it in a way that you don't and so I like I'm really proud of them for using practical effects like it I it it really shows through if you can do it where you you know, where you're able to. And if you do, even when with the transitions and stuff, they did good CGI work and it, it wasn't overdone. But yeah, so I was really happy with the effects. We've got to be done. And Chris Pine. Chris Pine just, it's always great. He's a lot of fun. He's, He's a, a fun, fun guy. So how do we end this show? 
Thanks for listening or uh, <laughs> to uh, Blockbuster Boys. Blockbuster, Blockbuster Buffs. Buffs. <laughs>